Hey, buddy, what you doing? Is it Christmas yet? No, sorry, not yet. I can't wait for Christmas. Yeah, I can't wait for Christmas either. In fact, let's celebrate now. <laughs> Welcome to the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. <laughs> it's July 25th, 2016, and that means two things. There's five months left till Christmas, and it's the one-year anniversary of this podcast. We're celebrating with an all-listener-generated content episode. We're going to answer some lingering questions from the Rankin-Bass Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer special, list the top five things that make Christmas awesome besides presents, learn a new Christmas card game and get a closer look at the jingle brawl jingle brawl jingle brawl jingle let's get this christmas party started hi everyone this is Dwayne from nzchristmas.nz here in new zealand and i would just like to say i can't wait for christmas welcome thanks for joining me to celebrate our favorite holiday the day this episode drops, July 25th, is the official celebration day, supposedly, of Christmas in July. But today is another very special day for me. It's the one-year anniversary of the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. Yes, indeed, I started churning out this monthly mix of mirth and merriment exactly one year ago today. I wasn't sure if anybody would be interested. I mean, I'm not a famous comedian. I have no official connection to Christmas other than loving it. So who would want to listen to me blather about Christmas 12 months of the year? But it turns out a bunch of people like you have tuned in and I really really appreciate it. Not only have you tuned in, you've written in. You've sent emails to christmas at tancast.com, left comments on can'twaitforchristmaspod.com, left messages on our Twitter, left messages on our Facebook, you even found me on Christmas forums. Well, this episode is dedicated to you, as everything we talk about this week comes from or is inspired by listeners just like you. Basically, this whole episode is one long Santa Babs mailbag. Santa Bab, he is gonna read some emails from you, or tweets. Or Facebook messages to Santa Bab. He is opening up his mailbag tonight. First letter was sent to us via email, Christmas at Tancast.com, and it comes from Dwayne, who writes, Hi Tim, I've been listening to your Christmas podcast. This is the very first one. Excellent, by the way. That was in all caps, so you know he meant it. I look forward to hearing them every 26th of the month here in New Zealand. Uh, side note. Did you notice that I released the June episode on the 24th here in America, so it was the 25th for you? That was on purpose, buddy. I may not get to do that every month, but I will certainly try to do it more often. Anyway, back to the letter. My name is Dwayne, and I run a Christmas website and Facebook page, nzchristmas.nz. And my Christmas freak flag flies really high. I have an idea for your podcast that would let us listeners interact with the podcast and be of interest as to where we listeners live. As part of the intro to your podcast, you could have a short 10-second intro from a listener or two. I've attached an audio sample of myself doing an intro. Feel free to use this idea if you want. It might be fun. Anyway, love your work. Cheers, Dwayne. Well, thanks, Dwayne. That actually sounds like a great idea. In fact, I'm pretty sure I did that in this very episode. Let me rewind really quick. Hi everyone, this is Dwayne from nzchristmas.nz here in New Zealand, and I would just like to say I can't wait for Christmas. Ah, yep, I thought so. So yeah, I did like that idea, and if anybody else would like to send a short intro like that in, I'd love to use it for the show. Again, send them to christmas at tancast.com. Okay, this next one is a message I got on the My Merry Christmas forums, and it's from Sean. 
And he says, hey, just wanted to drop you a message saying how much I enjoy your podcast. Every 24th or 25th, I religiously look in my podcast subscriptions for your podcast. Keep up the good work. And I've helped Jeff with the tracking of Santa. Oh, side note, Jeff is the grand poobah over at My Merry Christmas. And each year, they track Santa's flight around the world over at Kringle Radio. It goes on from like the 23rd of December till the 25th? 24th. It must end on Christmas. I don't remember. I think it goes, well, because he's done flying at Christmas Eve. You know what? It happens. Go over to KringleRadio.com. They'll straighten you right out if you want to know the uh, full answer to that question. Anyway, back to the email. So if you need any help, I'd be more than willing to help. I work for the local radio station here in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, and I can record to my computer at home. Just putting that out there for you. Thanks for all your work on your podcast, and keep up the good work. Take care, and Merry Christmas, Sean. Well, thank you, Sean, and I did just have a great idea for how you could help. Maybe you could record a short 10-second intro for the show. I don't know where I come up with these genius ideas. It's a gift, I guess. A Christmas gift. (laughs) Okay, going back to the Can't Wait for Christmas email box now for this letter from Weston. He's got an idea for a way to bring some festive fun to your next game night. And it actually leads us into our recurring segment, We Need a Little Christmas Now. We need a little Christmas now. Weston writes... Hi, Tim. Thanks so much for the podcast. It's one of my favorites, and I look forward to it every month. One of the traditions my family has is known as the Christmas card game. Instead of throwing away all the Christmas cards we get every year, we save them and they go into the Christmas card game deck. We play a game with them similar to apples to apples. Each player is dealt a hand of cards, ten or so. One player plays a card, and the rest of the players each choose a card from their hand and play that card. Then, each player has about 10 to 15 seconds to explain why their card most closely matches the original card played. After the explanations are over, the player who played the original card chooses the winner. The next player plays the next original card, and the other players need to match that card, and so on. When all the cards are gone from your hand, you don't replenish, the game is over, and the player who won the most hands is the winner. At the beginning, the cards are easy to match. Maybe the original card had a wreath on it, and you have one in your hand that also has a wreath. That might be an easy win. But someone else might play a card with a polar bear, and when you don't have a polar bear card, you need to get creative with your explanation to hope to salvage a win. Maybe both the original card and your card have animals. Maybe they're the same color sheets. Maybe they are. Maybe they're the same color scheme. Maybe they're both square. Obviously, as the game goes on, the cards match less and less, and your hands dwindles in options, which makes it that much more fun to explain. Those corporate cards from your credit card company or your frequent flyer airline are always a treat when they come up as well. We always play the game around Christmas and Thanksgiving, and of course, anytime we need a little Christmas now. Thanks again for the podcast, and I hope you keep it up. Best, Weston. Great idea, Weston. That actually sounds like a fun game. We've squirreled away a bunch of Christmas cards around here. We should totally try this at our next game night. And I also want to give a special thanks to Weston for writing that entire segment for me. You're real pal, buddy. Now we're going to the website comment section. We've got one from Michael, which is a great name for a son, by the way. Michael writes, Hi! Can't Wait for Christmas is the first on my massive playlist I listen to each month. I haven't historically been a big fan of Christmas. It's been so much about presents, and that is the least important thing to me. You have showed me there's so much more to the holiday. You've made my heart grow three sizes. I would love it if you could discuss the two holidays as I see them, the religious one and the secular one. Thanks. You are made of awesome. Well, thanks, Michael. But actually, I think I'm made mostly of high fructose corn syrup and gravy. But your comment has inspired this month's top five countdown feature, Five Golden Things. There is indeed more to Christmas than presents, so I'd like to present my top five things about Christmas that aren't presents. As Van from Netcot would say, here we go. Number five. Movies and TV specials. 
These are the stories we pass down from generation to generation. They entertain us, but they also teach us. Whether it's learning one life can make a big difference from George Bailey and Clarence, the true meaning of Christmas from Linus, the importance of family from Scott Calvin, the true meaning of Christmas from Ebenezer Scrooge, the true meaning of Christmas from the Grinch. Well, actually, a lot of them are about the true meaning of Christmas. But as joyous as they are, the first time you see them, they become more rich with nostalgia with each passing year. They become more than just entertainment. They become windows into holiday seasons that have come before. Ghosts of Christmas past if you will. And I will. Number four. Decorations. I was walking around my neighborhood the other day and it struck me how plain it looks when it's not Christmas. But come December, the lights, the trees, the wreath, the stockings, all of it is such a feast for the eyes. I love doing my own decorations. I love going around looking at other people's decorations. It's just wonderful. Number three. The music. So many great songs are written about Christmas time, and over the years, so many different artists have recorded them. Or if you don't want to hear someone else sing it, you can take some friends and family and go caroling. Music, even more so than the movies I mentioned earlier, is great for sending you on a sleigh ride down memory lane. And since these songs always play at Christmas, it's a good bet it'll be a happy memory. One example for me is the Main Street background music at Disneyland. I'm not sure what track it is, but it automatically flashes me back to walking through the near-empty park as I'm one of the last guests to leave, sometimes with my lovely mom right there with with me. Christmas music is like a bunch of little boxes of happy nostalgia. Number two. Jesus. I don't know if you know this, but I read on a bumper sticker that Jesus is in fact the reason for the season. Now, I don't talk about the religious aspect of Christmas a ton on this show, as Michael mentioned, uh, mostly because I'm a comedian, and this is at its core supposed to be a comedy podcast. And I have found people don't tend to like when you make jokes about Jesus. But being this is also a podcast ostensibly about his birthday party, he's bound to come up from time to time, especially on a list of things that are great about Christmas besides presents. But I'm sure a few of you are shocked that he's number two. Well, I'll explain in a second, but first... Honorable Mentions! Food! So many great things to eat around Christmas. Stuffing, turkey, pies, candy canes, more turkey, gravy, stuffing, more stuffing! Oh, I love the stuffing! And before you eat, you can even have fun making the food, especially if you're working together with a loved one. It doesn't matter if the turkey is black and smoking when you're done with it, at least you'll have a story to tell for every year from then on. Which leads us to... Number one! Friends and family. For me... The best thing about Christmas is getting together with the ones you love, sharing the love with those people, Christmas dinner, Christmas parties, midnight mass, so many ways we connected with each other during Christmas time. This holiday does an amazing job of connecting people. It's Jesus' birthday, but he gives us the greatest gift of all, the gift of each other. Well, is this a Christmas podcast or an after-school special? Hey, imaginary listener that sounds like George Bailey, pipe down. I'm just trying to put a little sentiment in this episode. Oh, uh, why don't you leave the sentiment to Frank Capra and read another letter? You cut me deep, imaginary listener. You cut me real deep. Anyway, let's move on to a message we got from the Can't Wait for Christmas Facebook page from Anthony. Hello. Really enjoy the show and appreciate your hard work creating a really well-researched, interesting, and well-edited program. Possible poll topic show idea, favorite version of Christmas Carol. There are so many versions of the classic tale, but you could include variants like Scrooge, the Vanessa Williams version. It was on Lifetime, and I'm blanking on the name. Just a thought, as there are so many versions out there and so many different spins on the tale. Personally, I reviewed the three Disney versions over on WDWHappyPlace.com. Thanks again, and I appreciate your quick response on Twitter about holiday albums for this year. I'm at Train74 on Twitter. Be well, Anthony. P.S. Hallmark stores will put on the first batch of Christmas ornaments on July 9th weekend. You can visit your local stores now to look at the catalog and pre-order. Tell the listeners. Well, 
Thanks, Anthony, but I really dropped the ball ornament on that one, didn't I? I guess they're still ready for pre-order if you want to go check them out at your local Hallmark store. As for the best version of A Christmas Carol, I like that idea. We can combine it as something to vote in, and then the next show would list the favorites in the five Golden Things countdown list. It's a great idea. Okay, this next message is also from Facebook and also from Anthony, but according to this, it's a different Anthony. Yes, this show is so popular, it's actually attracted more than one Anthony. This Anthony writes, Okay, I just finished listening to your April 25th release, and let me tell you, you had me cracking up at your song segue into your Disney story. Anyway, I voted for you for the podcast awards. Love your show. Keep it up. Well, thank you, Anthony. I certainly appreciate your vote, even though the podcast award didn't even come close to going our way. But I really thank you for the support. And I'm glad you like the All I Want for Christmas is News jingle, because I'm going to play it again right now, because we've got some news! All I want for Christmas is me. Uh, uh, whew. Nope, 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 stop! Sorry! This news comes from Orlando, Florida, and sadly, it has nothing to do with Disney World. But it does have something to do with our very first episode. Back in episode one, we talked about the making of A Charlie Brown Christmas, and this story is about how you can see that story come to life with ice. Not on ice. No skating involved with this. The Gaylord Palms Resort in Orlando puts on a big walk-through ice display every year, which is creatively called Ice. Nailed it. Well, this year, from November 18th to New Year's Day, the ice display will feature scenes from the classic Peanuts holiday special. According to InsideTheMagic.net, the number one name for news about the Gaylord Palms Resort, ice featuring a Charlie Brown Christmas will delight guests with interactive ice sculpture displays retelling the classic story using iconic scenes with the Peanuts gang, such as their holiday play rehearsal, Snoopy's decorated doghouse, and Charlie Brown choosing the perfect Christmas tree. There will also be ice slides, a massive nativity scene, and more. You can get the full story by clicking on the link in the show notes of this episode at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. Okay, next up is a post on our Facebook page by Brian. He writes, Hey Tim, my wife, my wife. and I are having a Christmas-themed debate, and I was wondering if you could take a moment to address it. It may be too deep or heavy for the podcast, but we really need an expert such as yourself to weigh in. Well... He had me at calling me an expert, so I followed the link to his blog, which reads, In the context of the classic Rankin-Bass Christmas special Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Rudolph's father, Donner, chooses to conceal his son's glowing nose by concealing it with some dirt or a weird little sock thing or something. That's not an important part here. What is important is the motivation. Do you think that Donner did this more out of fear or shame? Fear for how his son would be treated for not conforming to the North Pole societal image standards, or shame that one of Santa's main eight could have sired a less-than-perfect offspring? Was it a selfless act of trying to help his son fit in, or a selfish act of protecting his own image? These are the kind of arguments that Crystal and I have. Edit. Yes, we are aware that it's a little of both, but which one is the main motivator here? Well, Brian, you're in luck. This is exactly the type of thing we love to delve into on this show, so let's do it. But first, let's take a closer look at the Rankin-Bass special, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer had a very shiny nose. And if you ever saw it, you would even say it glows. The special premiered on December 6th, 1964, and is the longest-running, highest-rated special in the history of the medium, according to Rich Goldschmidt, author of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, The Making of the Rankin-Bass Holiday Classic. But there are so many more questions to be answered about this special than the one Brian brings up. First of all, how do you stretch a two- to three-minute song into a 50-plus-minute animated special? 
For a while, we thought the answer might be lost to time, but I was able to uncover this exclusive audio of the writing session where Rudolph was created. Okay, boys, I finally did it. You got us a job at Disney? No, you nitwit. I got my neighbor to give us permission to make an animated TV special out of the Rudolph song. It took some convincing. He was worried that if the special didn't turn out very well, people would stop buying the song. And he loves those sweet, sweet royalty checks, so we gotta make this good. Oh, so we'll just animate the song and it'll be a quick short. No problem there. We can make sure it's a quality product that stays true to the original vision of the song. No, you fool. We're gonna do an hour-long special. An hour long? How are we gonna make this story last an hour? We'll just add some characters. Like, let's say he makes friends with a misfit elf. Uh... Why is the elf a misfit? He doesn't want to make toys. He wants to be a dentist. A dentist? Well, that's a noble goal. Why does that make him a misfit? They don't have dentists at the North Pole. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're telling me with all the hot cocoa, candy canes, gingerbread houses, fruitcake, milk, and cookies they eat up at the North Pole, no one is getting their teeth cleaned? They must have worse teeth than the British up there. Actually, that stereotype's not true. There was a study that showed that British people actually take the best care of their teeth tied with Germany. Weird that you would know about that study, since it won't be done till 2006. But even adding this elf dentist character, we're still not going to make it to an hour. Well, let's throw in a prospector. He's looking to strike it rich by finding silver and gold in the North Pole. But there's uh, no actual land in the North Pole. It's all ice. Well, never finds any. He throws his pickaxe up in the air, it lands on the ground, he picks up, licks it, finds out there's no silver or gold down there. That's not how mining works! But at the very end, he licks his pickaxe and tastes peppermint, and he says that's what he really wanted to mine all along. So, his arc is, instead of trying to mine materials that can't be found in the North Pole, he switches to mining a substance that no one has mined in the history of ever? That still barely gets us to a half hour. So what if all three of these misfits end up at the Island of Misfit Toys? Okay, what is the Island of Misfit Toys? It's where all the toys that the kids don't want to play with get sent. Oh, so they stay at the Island of Misfit Toys because they're misfits too? No, they get kicked right out because they're not toys. Uh, so what was the point of that? To get an extra 10-15 minutes of content. But wait, we haven't even gotten to the villain. I thought Olive, the other reindeer, was the villain. Oh, Olive? Who's Olive? The one that would laugh and call him names. Not Olive, the other reindeer. It's all of the other reindeer. And they're not the villains. They just make fun of Rudolph and don't let him play with him. No, the real villain is a giant, abominable snowman. Oh, and Rudolph defeats him with his nose somehow. No, the dentist elf pulls out all his teeth and the prospector pushes him off a cliff. Wow. That is pretty dark to kill the thing off. This is a Christmas special. No, no, no. It lives and they give him a job putting a star on the top of the Christmas tree since he's the only one tall enough to do it. That's not so much a job as a task that needs to be done once. So that should be about an hour, then the snowstorm hits, Rudolph saves the day, and boom, credits. Uh, I don't know, that still might not be an hour. Well, you know what, we'll add some songs in there, that'll stretch out the runtime. Wait, so you want to write new songs for a special based upon a song? Brilliant idea! It wasn't my idea! Alright, I'm off to buy a buttload of clay, good luck with the writing. Wait, wait, come back here! This makes no Amazing. So, before we get to Brian's question, let's address some of the other questions people have about this special. One of the big questions is, what is wrong with the doll at the Island of Misfit Toys? She looks like a normal doll without any noticeable defects. Why is she there? A scooter for Jimmy. A dolly for Sue. The kind that will even say, how do you do? Apparently this is a big question that's been kicking around for a long time. But it turns out there's an answer. According to the Rankin half of Rankin Bass, she's depressed. That's the official word. But according to a little more behind-the-scenes info, she was a last-minute addition. Actually, an after-the-last-minute addition. You see, the original 1964 special, Rudolph and the gang go to the Island of Misfit Toys, promise to tell Santa about the Misfit Toys, and they leave and never come back. 
That's right. They're never seen again. This outraged fans so much that they wrote in complaining about, hey, what happened to the Misfit toys? Because apparently in the 60s, people didn't have real problems to worry about. It was this, and then they wrote in about Star Trek. All they had to do was write in about television shows. I guess that was all that was going on in the 60s. But it worked. They actually made new scenes and added them in when the special was broadcast the next year. So they made some changes, beefed up the scenes with the Misfit toys, and added the doll character. I don't know why adding her last minute means she couldn't have an obvious defect, but there it is. The next question is, at the end of the special, during the credits, there's an elf on the back of Santa's sleigh, and he's flying over, uh, somewhere, and he's grabbing the misfit toys and giving them an umbrella and tossing them over the sleigh. Now, my question is not, why doesn't Santa deliver them down the chimney like he normally would? It's not, how would an umbrella help a falling toy since an umbrella is not a parachute? It's not... How do they know where these toys are going to land, and if there are kids there, and even if there are kids there, how do they know those kids won't immediately reject these crappy toys and send them right back to the island of misfit toys? No, none of these are my question. My question is, one of the toys is a bird that can't fly. They make a point of showing us that's why it's a misfit. How would you like to be a bird that doesn't fly? I swim. But the elf picks up the bird, looks at the bird, grabs an umbrella, looks at the bird again, tosses the bird off without the umbrella. Did that elf just straight up murder that flightless bird? So I dug and dug for answers on this one, and again, I found something from author Rich Goldschmidt. He says that apparently the bird realizes it can fly. That is the weakest weak sauce that has ever been poured on anything, but apparently that is the answer they're going with. The only reason he was on the Island of Misfit Toys is he didn't realize he could fly. Did no one tell him he was a bird? Because he mentioned he was a bird. He mentioned he couldn't fly and he swim. Didn't someone go, well, have you tried flying? Oh, look at that. I can fly. I've saved myself tons of heartache and misery living on this island of misfit toys. How do you like that? Even among misfits, you're misfits. But I'm not done. I've got another question. Why does the supervisor elf guy get so angry when Hermie wants to be a dentist? Well, sir, someday I'd like to be a, a dentist. A dentist? Well, we need one up here. I've been studying it's fascinating. You've no idea. Molars and bicuspids and incisors. Now, listen, you. You're an elf. And elves make toys. Now, get to work. Ten minutes break. Not for you. Finish the job or you're fired. He wants to fix teeth. It's not like he wants to become a stand-up comedian and bring shame to his family. It's a great job, a dentist. So for this answer, I turned to TV tropes, and someone pointed out that this is essentially a special for kids. Okay, but I'm watching it too. But... Kids are the prime target for this special, and kids don't like the dentist. They're scared of the dentist, so the kids would be on the side of the crazy elf boss because they don't want to see a dentist. All right. That's as legit an answer as we're going to get, I think, on that one. But now let's get to the heat of the meat. The argument between Brian and his wife. Did Donner, Rudolph's dad, hide Rudolph's nose out of parental protection or selfish embarrassment? Here's my take. Donner may internally justify it as he's doing it for Rudolph's benefit, but he is doing it for his own reputation. Despite the jokes I've just been making about the writing in this special, they actually did give Donner's character an arc, which is amazing because he's only in it for a few scenes. He starts off wanting his kid to be a big star just like Dad, pulling Santa's sleigh, and he'll do whatever it takes to make sure Rudolph's nose doesn't derail that dream. All right, son, try it on. I don't want to. Daddy, I don't like it. You'll like it and wear it. Oh, but Daddy. 
It's not very comfortable. There are more important things than comfort. Self-respect. Santa can't object to you now. Then Rudolph runs away. That's when Donna realizes he messes up. The dreams he had for his son aren't important. His son is important. And I think this is one area where the special has it over the song. In the song, the other reindeer only stop hating on Rudolph when he becomes useful to them. But in the special, they all change their tune when he returns from running away. But back to Donner. He started with the wrong motivation, but through the course of the story, he learns how to be a better father. Granted, if it takes your kid running away and almost being eaten by an abominable snowman for you to adjust your parenting style, maybe don't expect a world's greatest dad mug for Father's Day this year. But he did learn, and that's the important part. So my answer is, his motivations were selfish, but he is not the same selfish rain dad at the end of the special as he was at the beginning. The special is Donner's journey from being a bad father to a good father. So they make it back, and when everybody hears their story, they start to realize maybe they were a little hard on the misfits. Maybe misfits have a place too. Even Santa realizes that maybe he was wrong. And I'm sorry too, Rudolph, for the way I acted. You'll be a hero That's my boy. That's my take on it. Feel free to voice your opinion. I've got a link to uh, Brian's blog in the show notes. You can always just comment here on the website, can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. Maybe we can even start a hashtag. Hashtag Donner Selfish. Hashtag Donner Selfless. I don't expect this to trend, but why not? Three or four of us might do it. Have a holly jolly Christmas, and in case you didn't hear... Oh, by golly, have a holly jolly Christmas this year. Anyway, we have time for a few more letters, so here's a message I got from my personal Facebook page from Matthew. He says, I'm currently watching Ghostbusters 2, and there are Christmas wreaths on the door at the start of it, so it must be a Christmas movie. I thought you could mention it on one of your Can't Wait for Christmas podcasts. I love the podcast, Christmas, and actually the new Ghostbusters movie. Have a great day, man. Matthew. Thanks, Matthew. I actually mentioned Ghostbusters 2 in my countdown of non-traditional Christmas movies in episode 2, but I'm glad to take a slight Christmas break and say I love the new all-female Ghostbusters movie, and I think everyone should go see it. I know I'll be asking Santa for the Blu-ray this year. Okay, I'm going to get through a few more comments from the website on last month's episode. Keith says, thank you for the podcast. You've helped legitimize my habit of listening to Christmas music in summer which I guess I should be listening to the Beach Boys music. Also, thanks for the Leon Day info. This year, I just listened to Christmas music. Next year, movie marathon? I'll see. Thanks, Keith. But you know, the Beach Boys released a Christmas album, right? You can get the best of both worlds. Just throwing that out there. I'm an idea man. It's what I do. Okay, Manuel just got this comment in under the wire. He writes, I just found your podcast a couple of days ago, and I love it. I'm listening to two shows every day. Woo! Uh, once I'm all caught up with your shows, it'll be hard waiting for the 25th of each month. But, no guilt intended. I'm just happy that I'm not alone in my passion for all things Christmas, all year round. No, you are not alone, Manuel. I wish I could post episodes more often, but I don't have the time or the resources to do it. But welcome aboard our year-long Polar Express. Glad to have you with us. Next up, Leslie commented, I'm a little bummed that Michael Buble's version of Jingle Bells wasn't an option this month. That's my favorite song on his Christmas album. Instead, I voted for Mickey and Friends, obviously. Yay, Disney! I love this show and I look forward to it every month. I love learning new bits of trivia about Christmas and enjoy counting down the days with you and other listeners. I have a fun fact about Leon Day. It's my niece's birthday. She was born on June 25th, 2007, so this year she'll be nine and a half on Christmas. Thanks for producing such a fun, family-friendly show that I can listen to with my three-year-old son who loves Christmas almost as much as I do. 
Almost. Can't wait for the next episode, and I can't wait for Christmas, too. Well, thanks very much, Leslie. My five-year-old also loves Christmas almost as much as me. That's why you hear him at the beginning and the end of each episode. The one-year-old doesn't really understand it quite yet, but we'll give him some time. That's why you hear him just giggling. But you bring up a good point about Michael Buble. If you're new to the show, she's referring to the Jingle Bra! We're spending 2016 trying to pick the ultimate version of Jingle Bells. So many artists have recorded this song, and so far we've pitted 60 of them against each other for you to vote on and pick the best. Normally, I do the whole segment in this voice, but there's too much to say this time, so I've got to take it down a notch. Whew. Okay, that's better. So, Leslie brought up Michael Buble, who is actually in round three of the Jingle Brawl, but I've been keeping the monthly winners a secret. I wanted to be surprised when the winners were all announced on October show when we start the semifinals, but that's no fun. Leslie doesn't get to know if her favorite version is moving on. So before we give a listen to this month's contestants, let's recap who's moving on from all the other previous rounds. Here's how it works. We're taking the version with the most votes from each round to the semifinals in October. From there, we'll narrow it down to the top five, and on November show, there will be five contestants competing and a write-in slot where you can put in any song that's either been knocked out in earlier round or a song that we haven't featured in every previous round. It'll be the most fun you have voting in November, I guarantee it. So, let's see who's going to the semifinals. Our round one winner was Frank Sinatra. Round two went to Andy Williams. Round three was actually a tie between Nat King Cole and Willie Nelson. Sorry, Leslie. Round four went to the Bare Naked Ladies. In a surprise upset, round five went to Jim Reeves. But the most recent round from June, round six, was the craziest round so far. Brian, whose message got us talking about Rudolph early in this episode, well, he started a campaign on our website, our Facebook page, even his own Facebook page, to try and get people to vote for Yorgi Jorgensen. He wrote, For anyone considering voting for a song other than Yingle Bells by Yorgi Jorgensen in this month's Jingle Brawl, you should know this. First, you're wrong. Wouldn't you rather be on the winning team, waiters? Vote Yogi! Also, I think fans of the podcast should be called waiters. Anybody else have a better idea? I do like the idea of waiters as a nickname if you want to use it, but Brian had a rival. Michael, from the earlier email that touched off our Five Golden Things segment, said, Yogi, please, this is a serious poll. Here's a Norwegian-American making fun of Swedish people. How is that in the spirit of Christmas? Why doesn't he use the Norwegian accent of his parents? What is he trying to say about the Swedes? What is he hiding? What is his agenda? He can't be trusted! Michael also wrote, Dolly Parton FTW on Brian's Facebook post. He is not messing around, and both of their zeal... zeals... their their zealses? Their passion made round six our highest voted round so far, but only one of these songs can claim a ticket to the semifinals, and the winner was, with 51% of the vote, Dolly Parton is moving on. So that's a recap of the first half of this year, but who will you vote for this round? We can't know until we meet the contestants, so let's do that now! Gene Audrey! Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Edita Gornia. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in one horse open sleigh. Perry 
Como. Dashing through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh. O'er the fields we go, laughing all the way. Duke Ellington and his orchestra. Bobby Vinton. You know I hate the cold, that's why I always go down south to drink some rum on an island in the sun. Dora the Explorer! Lights are burning bright, everybody's glad to dance and laugh and sing about a celebrity and love you love. Heather James! Three tenors. Vote for your favorite now at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. You can vote once a day, every day, until the polls close at midnight on August 20th. Remember, if you want to start a social media campaign for your favorite version, be sure to start early and remind often. And maybe your favorite will be the one to join the other semifinalists to duke it out in October during the 2016 Jingle Brawl! And that is going to do it for this week. I didn't get to every email message and comment, but that doesn't mean I don't appreciate every single one of them. I want to thank everybody who's ever taken the time to write in and thank everybody who's ever listened. I also want to give a special thanks to Mysterious Andy for working behind the scenes as our tech guru to get this whole website off the ground. And a super special thanks to Kristen from Nostalgia who provided this accordion music that you're listening to underneath me. She didn't even pause when I asked her. I was like, hey, I was hoping maybe you could do me a favor and play some Christmas music for my podcast she didn't hesitate she said what key do you need it in and i said i don't know what a key is because i'm not that smart but still thank you so much Kristen, for doing the music for this show and thank you for listening to this one year anniversary show we'll be back next month with more christmas goodness just for you in the meantime please feel free to send a message my way but most importantly keep laughing all the way was Christmas 1983. Actually, Dad, it's 2016. Oh. Uh, hey, Thank you for listening to the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. If you like this show, please subscribe to us on iTunes and write us a review. Or if you prefer to stream your podcast, we're now available on Stitcher as well. <laughs> if you'd like to leave a comment on this or any episode, go to our official website at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. There you'll find a link to our official Zazzle store where you can buy customizable Christmas decorations, clothing, and other gift ideas all year long. Our show only comes out once a month, but we love to interact with you any day of the year. Just come by to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash can't wait for Christmas pod, or our Twitter name at Christmas pod, or you can always send us an email directly at Christmas at tangas.com. The Can't Wait for Christmas podcast is part of the Tancast podcast network. 
We Wish You a Merry Christmas was performed by the United States Marine Corps Band. And this glorious version of Jingle Bells on the Accordion was performed by the amazing Kristen Nowicki. All of their music and sounds are properties of their individual copyright holders and no infringement is intended. All right, I can't think of anything else to say. How about you boys? God bless us, everyone. All right, we're about to do this thing. This thing is about to get done. Look out. There's a thing. We're going to do it. Biggity bow, yeah. Welcome. Welcome. I don't know what that voice is. I'm not going to do that. Welcome. 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 Well, welcome. Welcome. Well, come in and listen to the podcast. I'm trying to get the first sentence out and it's not going well. I work for a local radio station here in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Eau Claire? I probably should look it up how to pronounce that. Best Weston. <laughs> that almost sounds like a hotel chain. Best Weston. Christmas music is like a bunch of little lick boxes? A, a bunch of little lick boxes. There is no way that's what I meant to type. I, that's not even a thing. Little bunch of little boxes of happy nostalgia? I think lick wasn't even supposed to be there. I think autocorrect just added the word lick for no reason. A bunch of little boxes of happy nostalgia. I'm going to go with that. Personally, I reviewed the three Disney versions over on wdwhappyplace.com and so many different spins on the tale. You know what? I am going to move your parentheses to the end of that sentence just to make it... So this is not actually how he wrote the letter, but the parentheses kind of break up the flow of the sentence. So when you're reading out loud, I'm just going to shuffle them to the end of the sentence. No, you fool! We're going to do an hour-long special! An hour long? How are we going to make this story last an hour? I gotta, I gotta come up with more specific voices. Okay, boys. Okay, boys. Okay, boys. I finally did it. You finally got us a job at Disney. Okay. Ugh. Okay, so he's sort of a Bob Dylan baseline for this character. And, uh, I don't know where this guy Somewhere between Sean, Sean Connery without the accent. That's what I'll try and do. No, but now he's starting to sound like George Bailey. Can't get him up to George Bailey. Gotta take this character down. He's gotta, yeah, he lives in this tone. Yeah, yeah. He's harsh. He's big guy. He's big important. Thinks he's important? Puffed up his chest. Hey, how you doing? I'm big important guy. How you doing? Big important guy, coming through. And, uh, I'm a low-level guy. Just trying to write a, trying to write a thingy, trying to get my job done, trying to go home to the wife and kid. Kiss the missus, you know, little, gotta get it done. Get it done. Let's go. Go, 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 go. All right. <clears throat> character Work by Tim Babb. Really? It's awful. That's why I said Character Work by Tim Babb. Edita! Edita! Gurniak! I feel like that can't possibly be right. 